All right, guys, thanks for listening. Well, actually, I haven't listened yet, but thanks for pressing play and starting to listen. Um, this is going to be a very brief intro. This is Jordan Yorath, successful entrepreneur, and uh, as a famous dad, famous mum, and two famous sisters. And this is the trials and tribulations of Mr. Jordan Yorath. Guys, strap yourself in. This is an emotional roller coaster, and what an amazing guy, a genuinely nice guy. Um, so uh, I was so excited about this podcast, and it's turned out amazing. Listen to it all the way to the end, because at 104 minutes, Jordan gives away an absolute spiffing little golden nugget of uh, of how to be successful. So uh, thank you once again. Podcast number 10. Ooh, that rhymed. Right, guys, we are rocking and rolling once again. And thank you very much to today's guest who did get the memo on wearing a white T-shirt. So we both look exactly the same, although this is a podcast. None of you can see it. Uh, Today I'm joined by um, an old friend of mine, actually. Uh, Well, I'd say he's more of an old friend of my brother's, but I've known this chap for uh, for a long time. I think think he's he's probably been since he was in a football team with my brother, which I imagine was... A lot more than sixteen years ago. Um, anyway, this 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 guy's got a very interesting, uh, very interesting sort of situation, if you like, uh, because whilst being um, a entrepreneur himself and a and a genuine property expert, uh, he's he's got the qualifications and the business experience, the ups and downs to go with it. He's actually got a famous family, which is which is amazing because if you knew him, you just wouldn't tell that. Uh, so, without further ado, let me uh, let me ask the man himself to introduce himself, Jordan Yorath. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Give us a little bit of an intro, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Andy, for having me. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, so I'm Jordan Yorath. I'm 34 years old now, um, and I've been in property for since about five. Um, so I've been doing it a long, long time. My mum was in property, uh, really got me into it, went to uni, did that, um, came out of it sort of thinking, I knew it all anyway, kind of thing, quite cocksure of myself, but actually learned um, from the bottom up, working in the family business originally. Um, career since then has involved selling out to a corporate, um, setting up a new business, um, making loads of money, losing loads of money. Um, Going from from sort of you know having it having it all to literally not being able to get out of bed, um, and then on the rise again. So I've I've done a full circle really. Um, I, I mean that in itself. Is, that is the juiciest intro that anyone can ever <laughs> give you. But before we go any further, I'll just ask just hold your microphone away from your chest because I just lost you a very little bit. But that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. So let me just go back. Let me go back to the beginning. So you, you said you were in property from a, a young age and since the age of five. Your mum, now your mum, your mum's a, a very uh well known and successful interior yeah. property developer. And so you were steered into that. So was that something that you were um naturally interested in, or did you not have a choice? Um especially yeah, obviously you know, for those that, that maybe aren't familiar or, or don't know, and, and like I said, it's not, um, I'm proud of my family, but I don't go around walking around going, oh, my sister's this, my mum's this, my dad's that. But, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I was born into a family where um, from my earliest memories, my father um, has been, still is a football legend. You know, he's he's 
He has literally been there, seen it, done it. What you know, won every cup going, uh, yeah. if not been second. Um, so, so, so go on. So <laughs> go on. Your dad so, is Mr. Dad, Mr. Big T. Pateriorith, yeah. So, um, you know, from being in the Champions League of, of those days with Leeds United, captain in Wales, managing Wales. That was my childhood, really. So it was a case of, you know, I would go to school. I went to normal school, but I'd go to school or go to a restaurant and everywhere you go, it'd be like people staring at you kind of thing. And at a young age, you maybe don't really appreciate why. Um, and it, you know, even now I'm like, well, that's not that famous, surely. You know what I mean? But you know, <laughs> like even today, somebody sent me a WhatsApp and they're like, oh, this is a really cool picture. And it was my dad's coming out at Wembley, uh, leading out the Welsh team with Kevin Keegan leading out the English team. Wow. Uh, and it's like, that's pretty cool, actually. You know, that's that's my dad, captain in Wales at Wembley. And there's Kev Keegan. So if he's on the same pitch as him, it must have been all right. Um, and so, yeah, so I, this, is, this is the family I was born into. Um, my mum, at this point, is an entrepreneur in herself. You know, she, um, you know, she, she's been a, a beauty therapist and had her own beauty salon. She's had a skincare company, she's had a property business, interior design, developer. Um, and it's very much from my mum's side of the family, you've got this entrepreneurial vein. And then, so I, you know, this is me sort of five, six years old. Um, and at that point, something quite dramatic in my life happened. You know, again, you know, you know this well, my brother died. And that really changed a lot in my family. But it also set me up for the rest of my life in terms of what was to come and the lessons and morals and things that you learn about who you are and, and also who your family are. Uh, and not long after that, my sister's career then began um, and she sort of, you know, became what she is today, Gabby Logan, who's, you know, she's not only a phenomenal broadcaster, you know, I really respect her as a mother and a person. She's an intelligent, superb human being. Um, and not to forget my other sister, Louise, who's in America and she's um, she's had a great career in, involving, you know, on for a large amount of that being in Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, she's now a mother and very settled in Las Vegas, um, you know, not, not working the shows anymore. But so this is the family I was raised in. But going back to what you're saying about, you know, was property a, a natural thing? Was that, you know, where did that come from? Because dad was away a lot with a lot of football and obviously what happened to my brother, my sisters both went away. So I became like an only child, even though I had three siblings, older siblings. I was home with mum a lot. Um, and, you know, I would get picked up from school in Moortown and we'd end up in Holbeck at B&Q picking up wallpaper and plasterboard and whatever else. <laughs> so that, because she, you know, she was doing up back-to-back terraces in Beeston at the time. That was how her development wow. career started. So from a young age, I was being coached um, in, the, in the property field. Um, so, yeah, and that's so, how it started. And, and- and obviously, I know I know the, sto- the story of football as well because we, we can't forget that. So, mm. just just to touch on a couple of things that you said there, you know, you, you're from, you know, you're you're a thoroughbred family, and I think what's really interesting is that whilst your dad had huge fame and huge success, your mum's obviously a very driven uh, individual mm. as well, which is which is a great combination for obviously all three um, of, of you guys. Uh, to, to sort of bring 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 them up to sort of want to you know do something for themselves and be very driven. And what yeah. happened what happened to your brother was 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 extremely tra- tragic. And anybody mm-hmm. local probably knows the story behind it. So there's a lot of humbling things that will have happened within there. Yeah, yeah. And um, but the before we go on to the property, because I jumped to the question there about was property always in your blood? But actually, yeah. I imagine being a 
being a, a bloke myself and loving football with an absolute passion and wanting to be a professional footballer yeah. and absolutely getting nowhere near it. What, what was what was the feeling for you well, then as a youngster? Because I know you've played football to a very good standard. Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, from the sort of seven or eight, I started to play and um, I was goalkeeper, which, you know, I've never grown to goalkeeper height, full goalkeeper height, <laughs> but I've always been very brave and really worked hard at being good at what I do. And, um, you know, I got to the point where I was at Sheffield Wednesday um, at 16 through to about 18. They released me. And, and the irony of that was that they released me at 18 and said, look, you know, there's, there's too many ahead of you. At which point, I think Kevin Pressman left Sheffield Wednesday. The next goalkeeper had to retire because of an injury. And the, the U-team keepers I was in with suddenly became, you know, second choice. And it was it would have been my chance. But anyway, I went off to Halifax, who then went bust, uh, and realised, you know what? I'm not good enough to make it the same level as my, my dad did. But um, mm. I had, you know, I loved playing football. I went to uni. I played for England Universities, which was a great experience. Um, you know, there's many guys from that team that went on to play professionally. I think um, the other goalkeeper I just noticed the day has just signed for Sunderland, or he's been playing for Sunderland recently mm. uh, until recent the recent break. But yeah. um, you know, so I've had some great experiences in football, and again that. That experience and playing at a higher standard does teach you a lot about working with other people, understanding psychology of certain people, how to get the best out of them. Um, but very much like my dad, um, it was my dad. My dad made it, and I think he, you know, he would admit himself. It wasn't always about the fact that he was the most talented. You know, this was just, he played in a team with Billy Bremner and Peter Lorimer, and you know, you know, God rest his soul, Norman Hunter. You know, those yeah. sort of players. Big, you know, superstars. Um, yeah. My dad worked really, really hard. He worked harder than anybody else. Right. And if you came near him, he'd probably break your legs. So, <laughs> um, you know, whereas, and that was my thing. I, I would, you know, even though I never made it, I used to get up at six o'clock in the morning before school and I'd be on a field practicing my kicking. So I used to be horrible at kicking. And it eventually became the best thing about my game. Um, so what I couldn't do it six foot two. I could kick the ball, you know, a long, long way. Further, further. Yeah. So, so just as an idea, then, um, how did that? How did that? How did that sort of set you up with the? Exp there's got to be a natural expectation level of a of a kid who yeah, loves yeah. football and whose dad's uh, uh, been a, a you know legend of, of the game. Yeah. To I mean, to I, then. I, realize that that's never going to make it for you what did you learn from that I think, well the big thing for me was when i was younger um i carried this this thing of i'm terry or son do they know i'm terry or son and not in a do they know who i am in, yeah. in a way of like god do they know that i'm terry or son what do they expect from me when i step out onto this pitch and right. the first the first thing i did in that game would just like set it off you know it was i was it the right kick or was it a bad kick and that would be the rest of the game it's a lot of pressure Confidence and pressure was massive. And I remember playing for Halifax. No, in fact, I was playing for Harrogate Railway at the time, but against Halifax at the Shea. And Halifax still had a, a huge following. So we were playing in front of 2,000 fans, and the ball goes behind the goal. And uh, a Halifax fan sort of walks towards me with the ball, over the over the boards, passes it to me, but with these eyes as if to say, like, I'm going to kill you. And, <laughs> and on the hands with the ball, he goes, bet your sister's great in there, didn't she? And I just thought... They know who I am. They know who I am. So, yeah. Pressure. But when I got older, I don't know what it was, sort of late 20s, and I think it might be, and you relate to Sunday, when you start to you have children and you, you start to make your own way in your career, etc. you start to sort of get this attitude of, and I think if you've got the confidence to do it, say, do you know what? Don't care. Don't care what you think. I never, I'm not going to give up, and you're not going to, you're, 
your impression of me matters, but it isn't going to dictate who I am today or what I'm going to do. Mm. Um, so that's it. That, that's the biggest lesson, I think. I think that's a really interesting point because a lot of a lot of um, entrepreneurs talk about personal branding and social media and get yourself out there and don't care what other people think. That to, to not to actually genuinely deep down not care what anybody yeah. thinks, I think is impossible. Even to the likes of one yeah. of the one of the biggest one of the biggest shouters of that is Gary Vaynerchuk, and, and actually it's not care. But if you look, yeah. when somebody does slag him off, he, he does re, he does react. I think it's very natural. Oh, it's sure. just. It's how you then react from that. So yes, of course you're yeah. going to care, but are you going to take that in and think or, and doubt yourself, or can you go? Well, hang on a minute, I can prove them. I can yeah. prove them different. You know, and I think that all depends on 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 what your what your life is saying about you at that moment in time. And if your life yeah. at that moment in time is full of lacking in self esteem, and mm. somebody shows you an imp- uh, that they a certain opinion of you, and mm. it matters. Mm. then your reaction isn't going to be great. You might not mm. react at all. You, you know, that might be that bad. Um, yeah. If you're full of self-esteem at that point in your career, your time, your life, then your reaction will be, will be the best version of you it can be to come back at somebody with. Yeah. Uh, so j- just to just get an understanding as, of, of you as a, as a person, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I obviously I know you, and for the benefit yeah. of, of anybody listening, Jordan uh, played recreational football with my brother, who's the same age. And, uh, and and that's how we, we met and we sort of circulated in the similar sort of friendships. But, you know, for a long time, we've, we've both been involved in property and we've been, you know, friends from, from a sort of touching distance. But for anybody, uh, you know, who doesn't know any sort of history behind that, we've talked about the pressure of potentially being a footballer because of your dad. What, yeah. what, about, what about any pressure from, did you feel any pressure from the idea that you had basically every single member of your family was very successful, totally in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll joke sometimes, like, you know, I'm the black sheep in a way, because it's like, you know, everyone's been before me in a way. You know, I'm, I'm the baby still. So I'm 34, but I'm still the youngest. And everyone's been before. They've had their their bit in the, you know, their bit of limelight. They've had their success um, still having their success. Um, and I, I, it's, there's a story from a few years ago, it was, it was sort of at a point where I felt like, do you know what, my career at that moment in time couldn't have been any better. My life couldn't have been any better. I've got everything, what everybody wants, I'm here. And I felt like nobody was turning around and saying, well done to me. And I got a, a real chip on my shoulder about it because it was like, if my sister did something well, it would be in the paper. If my mum did something well, she'd make sure it was in the paper. If my dad did something right, it was in the paper. You know, if I did something right, nobody would turn around to me and went, well done. And it was like, why is nobody saying that to me? Do you know what I mean? And, but that's got to come from inside you. And you only learn that when you get a bit older and you realise who you are and what, you know, what your life um, has been leading up to. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting piece of psychology that you've just shared there. Because I have had conversations with you even very recently about yeah. cer- certain property transactions and i've been in the industry for 13 years yeah and not too long ago we were having a chat about something and you were talking about a deal uh that and i asked you some advice on and, and literally for about three minutes i didn't actually understand what you were saying <laughs> for me it was very very technical and yeah. it just it reminded me very very quickly that you've got some you know amazing credentials and, and obviously because you've reached the heights for those particular reasons not based yeah. on your name and who you were uh, and i can i can understand how that why that might feel a little bit frustrating but the only thing it will do surely is build you as a as a person yeah it does i think you've got to you've got to take time daily to just reflect on what happened you know d- you know good or bad 
and what you can take from it and what's next and what how you will use that going forward you've got to take time to do that and if you don't then it sort of backlogs um, and it, it, it does cause a sort of blockage if you like in, mm. in you're thinking about things the next day so at what point did you decide that you wanted to get serious into property well so I, I came away from um halifax uh, and had a choice to go to uni and it felt natural to go and do uh, real estate management at Northumbria. And I had a great three years. So I played for England Unis whilst I was there. I had a lot of fun. Um, got my degree. You know, I came away with a degree. I, you know, got 2-1. I, I, I achieved that. But I never really truly loved the, the course at the time. It wasn't property as such that gave me a buzz. And I came away from that and my, my, I sort of thought to myself, you know, I'm going to go be a property developer like mum. Um, you know, I'm 21, 22. I'm, you know, it's easy. It's not at all. And um, it was 2008, by the way. Um, so perfect timing. Perfect timing to uh, to not be a profit developer. Um, <laughs> so the world crashed, and um, my mum through development. Um, you know, you get you get into your, you, I think one of the guys you had on the other day was talking about multiple lines of income. And luckily for my mum, you know, she was not only a developer. She'd she'd almost by accident, but you know purposeful accident had built a letting agency um and the beauty of that letting agency was that she i think she'd bought and she'll admit to it she'd bought a, a dummy's guide to setting up a website um and she'd named it flats in leeds uh flats in leeds.com which um at that genius. moment it, it was genius yeah, really yeah it was like at the time nobody would have thought well that was a good idea but from 2008 when I came out of university and it managed I think about 90 properties most of which were either hers or a friend's kind of thing um really shoddy website um and I started on 12 grand a year I was a graduate on 12 grand a year um literally office junior big um, time yeah you know made it living at home killing it um, <laughs> and uh you know I realized actually I really enjoy this and it wasn't wasn't just property as such it was the business I really okay. enjoyed doing the deal my favorite bit at that age you know, i should love somebody ringing me up and saying i want to take that flat and then getting the pdq machine out banging the card details in taking the admin fees that you can no longer take um, <laughs> you know, and then you know and that for me was, was brilliant i'd be like t challenge myself say every saturday saturday afternoon it's like how many can i get this week um and from there i think you, you sort of graduate in terms of <sighs> It's almost like a drug you need a bit more you need something more you need something more so you get more and more involved with okay well what will take this business to the next next level i'm actually more interested now um you know and i start you start earning your position in, the, in a business a family business where you you know my mum was right to make me start on the, the bottom wage doing the bottom jobs kind of thing but you build this passion up and i'll always say if you are passionate about something and you enjoy it then you'll more than likely make money at it so i sort of created this personality for myself if you like in leeds in, in the success certainly that flats in leeds was my brand you know and at that point in time i wasn't a shareholder wasn't a director but i decided flats in leeds is going to be me people are going to see that brand as me um and i'll take it to the next level so we redid the website um i got really into sort of the dark arts of seo and trying to figure out what made that tick um and we're going back 10 12 years now so you know you're looking at days before really youtube and instagram and stuff was really like mm. you know, to the level of quality and content it is now mm. um and i was doing these sort of walk through quite shaky videos of properties but we were getting hits from the middle east we were getting fourteen thousand visitors a month to this flatsandleads.com website now it was 
Ron Seal, it, it only did flats in Leeds. We didn't have semis in round A, we had flats yeah. in Leeds. But we grew portfolio um, and during that process, um, I became a director and then we sold, my mum ran into trouble with the sites uh, financially and unfortunately she had to go bankrupt. So as part of doing that, we restructured, um, I took a small shareholding with a guy called Terry Fisher. So mum came officially out of the business um, and, I, and that was a real learning curve because Terry Fisher, for those that don't know, he is a real venture capitalist and entrepreneur. You know, he, he set up his, his travel agencies as a, a young lad in Huddersfield, sold out later, I think, to was it Travel World or somebody for like seven million or more, uh, set up again and sold out. You know, he's a serial entrepreneur. And one of the first lessons he told me, taught me was, look, it isn't all about this turnover. The turnover is good. It's about, you know, what makes the business turn profit. We need to get rid of some costs, but, we'll do it, but we did it in the right way. So it was things like silly expenses on advertising that we were just getting no return on. Right. Let's have a city centre premises instead. And we got a cracking location in, in, in the, at least it was a brilliant, I mean, to this day, I still think it's an underused and best, the best spot going. That building itself is just a, you know, quite landmark building. Um, yeah. And we, we turned the business from 90 units, maybe 200 around the time mum sold out and Terry bought in. Uh, we moved into town and we built it to just over 400 units and we sold it to Countrywide. So it was a it was a, a massive learning curve, but it, I also learned sort of what my passion was and what I really loved. And I learned a lot more about business and how to operate. Um, and, and, and like I say, you, you, get, you want that bit more. So towards the end of that, it was like, well, what, more, what else is there? Sales. So sales was the next thing. And then you move on to investment sales and development sites, and then eventually, because this know, is your this this is your this is this is where you are today. This is what your passion is. Am I right? In thinking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is what you're very. I mean, you're, you, you're the lettings. Uh, the lettings is one of those things. And sorry to interrupt you, but the lettings no, is no, one no, of those no. things where you've got a, a very very high percentage of people who are just good at sales, as in yeah. the general term sales can 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 sell a property that's been marketed and can let a property that's been marketed. But to sell investment properties, you, you do have to have knowledge. It's intel. another language. It's a totally yeah. another language. And, and you know, so that those early sales that I learned to do, um, you know, again, sort of cut the, cut my teeth. But I, my first ever instruction, I remember going to a guy called Ian Nixon. Um, who I've got a great deal of respect for. He built a few blocks in Leeds Centre and basically I just trapped him down, drove to York, got in front of him. I was 25, 26 probably, and I sort of winged it. And I just said, look, you know, I can do this, I can do that. And he was sort of, I'm not really interested. You know, it works as it is. I don't need to move my yeah. management. So I just sat there and I thought, I've driven to York. I know it's not that far, but I've driven to York. I'll sell them for you. And he went, can you, can you can you sell? And you know, as Richard Branson says, you know, yes, course can, yeah. And then I <laughs> you know, um, I'd never sold a property in my life ever. Um, but the 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 success I had with those sales and the lessons I learned from that and from Ian as well. Um, you know, again, you know, again, a much older, really credible, well experienced developer was phenomenal at a young age. And then from there, you go, okay. Well, we've now sold to Countrywide. What do I really want to do next? And that was the investment sale because obviously in a market like Leeds City Centre, you learn that a lot of the buyers are investors. They are buy investors. Um, and from there, really, I, I set up a new business. I left Countrywide, set up a new business. 
and that business was all about the buy to let and we focused on stuff from up past Newcastle down to Leamington Spa and we would really focus our marketing the language the way that you um, talk to the investors when you're there that you know that you could sell a property before you actually went into the property because it's not about the walls and the makeup of, you know of the inside of the department it's not the, it's not the emotion behind it it's the, no, it's, the it's, finances. The, it's, the, it's the story it's how many people are working in in this particular radius what are they doing what's going to happen development wise around there and it's really about piecing together all the little pieces of the puzzle that go around that flat that's in the middle you know as i call it a letter inside the envelope that's just a letter it doesn't matter yeah. where you're going to take the envelope and how you're going to post it and that that was that was really a, a big thing for me because that then took you on to okay well what's the next high if you like what's the next thing and that was really about sort of learning to be um dealing with development sites uh, and mixed use developments learning about commercial property um and at that age sort of early 30s couple of years ago that's when it starts to be about okay this is where my contact base really comes to play it's not just what i've learned it's all these contacts that i've built up over 15 years you know of being at it um so yeah so between between <clears throat> between the the scenario where um fisher got involved and then you, the, the business grew obviously yeah. he was clearly a great a great additional mentor something a little bit different yeah uh, and also when it's the same i i often feel like sometimes the, the the same message posted by the same person whether it's a close friend or a family member can sometimes get a bit clouded so mm. perhaps a new a new person coming in there can grow it so you grew yeah. the business you, you go on go on well you know i a lot of my business lessons uh, up until that point had come from primarily my mum which is not to say they're always right not to say they're always wrong but that was how i'd been taught and then those people around her again it's a very male environment so i had mentors from a young age like kevin linfoot who you know if you're in yorkshire property you'll know kevin linfoot's name um but these are people that would come around the house for tea you know i remember you know, kevin bless him um is, dys is dyslexic um, you know, we were on holiday in Marbella and he got me to sign for a Ferrari for him at about 12 years old. Um, oh. <laughs> you know, these are people that I had around me sort of, yeah. You know, I was yeah. watching them all the time and listening, always listening because they've got like something, everybody's got something to teach you. Mm. And these, think, guys, these guys, you make a lot of money for no reason. Mm, I think it's, that's a really interesting point because from the outside in, often people can look at a certain individual and I'll use you as an example and say, well, well, he's only where he is because of his surname. I know that's not the yeah, truth. Yeah. I'm being very, very facetious there. And oh, you've, yeah, already yeah. Given, you've already given us an extremely good insight as to how you've got to where you got to. But ultimately, I I certainly now realise and I credit a lot of things that I know. And I don't claim to be the, the world's best businessman, although I will get there one day, trust me. Yeah, um, but but, but you, you, it, learning learning is so important isn't it yeah yeah it's so absolutely. so important but let me come back to the point i make so so uh you, your mum left the business you were growing it so that's countrywide what year just very quickly was the countrywide sale i think that was 2012 it's either late 12 or early 13 that happened yeah okay so quite a late good, 12. quite a good uh quite 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 a good i imagine time you built the business up fisher was there good time yeah. to go yeah mum was out the business for a couple of years okay so then you started this so i'm assuming at the moment i'm drawing this picture where the the graph if you like is going upwards yeah definitely yeah. Life's, life's on the up yeah and, and then when you like... when you set up the investment company that was continuing to 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 to, to grow so yeah so at that, that point of selling out countrywide i don't think i actually realized my own potential even it was a sort of point of, of like well you know 
Terry, Terry's held my hand. He's he's you know this opportunity's come along because my my other friend had just sold Countrywide, and it started off as well. Let's see what we're worth, and then it became well. Let's sell to them. Let's get it done. Um, but from that point in, in time, uh, people started to come to me and sort of say, um, "Well, we, we've seen what you've done there." Um, and it was a guy called Graham Bates um, who's recently sold his business out um, to Cortland um, Live Live Group. Um, okay. Graham again, another mentor to me at some point in my life. You know, and somebody I've got great, great amount of respect for. Uh, he sort of guided me in the line of setting up the UK city residential business, uh, and was very influential in helping create opportunities for us to sell various bits of stock, which was effectively receivership stuff that had got you know stuck in the bank's um, income line from 2008, and actually they needed to get shot. So we we did a lot of that work, and it was a really uh, it was quite a wild time because there's a lot of money involved and a lot of. You was know, there a lot of cash? Was there a lot of cash? Because investment property, there's there's a bit of a hidden thing around commissions, but the commissions are a lot a lot higher than traditional. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, they are a lot more, a lot higher, and and you 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 know because you're gearing up gearing a gearing a property towards a certain market. And you're um, specialist as well. Yeah, you're specialist, and you, you you know there's not as much competition. You know, I wasn't, I genuinely wasn't competing against five other agents for instructions. I was going going to or or people were coming to us, and saying. Tell us how you package this up. This is how we do it. Okay, there you go. Get on with it. And you know, we were charging quite a lot of fees, and we were making a lot of money. Listen, we earned it. I'm not going to say it was, you know, like easy money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. But that equally brought around, you know, a lot of lifestyle things and choices that you make. And, and in hindsight, and I always remember, and I say it with say it now with a smile, but at the time it killed me. My mum saying to me, "Just keep some money in the bank. You know, keep for a rainy day." And that advice has stuck with me because at the time it was like, it's fine, it'll keep coming, it'll keep coming, it'll keep coming. Um, until the day it didn't. Um, and, you know, that was sort of 2016 when really I'd taken my eye off the ball with what I was doing. I was trying to trying to do other things that I just wasn't ready for yet. Um, and it was a reset. It was a complete reset, you know. And I went from having... You know these amazing holidays and cars and houses and everything else to literally having nothing you know to was there to a not... catalyst was there a catalyst behind all of the was it a market shift was it personal personal um it was it was taking my eye off the ball completely making choices in life that you know meant that my focus wasn't on the business it wasn't on the people that were were doing great jobs for me in the business um and i made bad choices that meant that basically i wasn't able to to give them me I wasn't giving the business me and ultimately things dried up um and, and i just i really needed do you think, that do you think i mean i think this this is a poignant time to have a conversation with any business person who's had success and failure because yeah. we're in a situation where things are very very tough was that when you say you took your eye off the ball do you think that you 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 were just sort of rolling roll rolling with the times and things were great and you just didn't you, you just you just didn't keep disciplined what, what discipline what was is a, yeah discipline is is a huge part of it Andy. i think it's um you know if you if you don't keep doing if you don't keep working the, the sausage, sausage machine if you don't keep doing the things that are making you the money um and you don't keep nurturing the people that are helping you make that money then ultimately not only will they lose faith you lose faith you lose you just lose control spiral um, it just spirals um and before i knew it you know I, I was closing the business and it was gone how was that what was that like 
awful. Uh, yeah. It was a really, really bad, bad phase of my life because mm. that then brought along, um, you know, mental illness, so, uh, mm. you know, of stuff with depression and um, fell into various other, other issues you know, that just stopped me from functioning properly, you know, really. And, and looking back at it now, I can say, well, do you know what? I've learned a lot from that. That won't happen again. Um, and I know how to prevent it. You know, there's, there's things in my day now that I, I wouldn't have dreamt of doing three, four years ago. But, you know, I wake up every day now and I get on my hands and knees and I pray and I meditate every morning. You know, but I didn't do that four years ago. And I'm not saying you have to do that to get to where you were. But for me, that's what keeps me focused. Because I know that four years ago, I lost everything. You know, and I literally went from having that house, that car, you know, having Porsche and Range Rovers and silly cars and having holidays here, there and everywhere. And, you know, and I had a young family, you know, I've, I've got two children, um, you know, now four and seven who, uh, you know, my, my marriage broke down and, and we're now friends again. Now that was a very painful time. And it wasn't, you know, that didn't break down because of the money, it broke down because what what happened in my career also happened in my personal life. And it was a, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I do think when, when things are good in your personal life, things are good in your business, they, they sort of work with each other. But, you can't have one without the other. You've got to have that work-life balance. Um, it's a, you know, it's it's such it's it's such an interesting story because whilst you tell it, there will be so many people who will be falling into this potential trap. And I'll I'll, 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 I'll say two things. Um, one 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 thing that I was told very very early on is, uh, you you you'll always be judged on when times are tough, uh, yeah. rather than when times are great. Yeah, and actually, yeah. you know what you talk about um, having that, having that, having that drop off, and everything else, and all, all the things that came with it. You know, most of us would 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 not, never wish on on the worst enemy. No. The fact that you could you can come out of that that is it must make you such a more mentally stronger person. I'm not saying that you're mentally tough; and nothing can break you, but it, no, it, no. Has, it has to give you some kind of confidence. I think when you know what it's like to sort of literally be counting what's, you know, looking at your, your hand and go, okay, what can I actually afford to get at the shop here? And I, and I mean, literally there were those days um, to, to getting back to a point where, you know, you're invoicing people, businesses for, you know, thousands of pounds and, you know, you can pay your bills and you can, you know, you're not worried about letting anybody down and you're there on time, or, you know, for most meetings and, you know, you are... <laughs> And, um, you know, but you are, you know, when you can, when you can regain that from being at a point where you've literally had nothing, you know, and there are people I know, entrepreneurs, you know, of my age group who came from nothing, you know, I, I woke for one second say, oh, I came from nothing. There was a point in time when, as a kid, I remember, you know, we might have had a, a house that looked invested on the outside, but there were repo men taking the cars away. Um, you know, there was, it was all Tesco value in the kitchen, the blue and white striped tins. Um, so it might have looked great as a child, but the, you know, my mum did go through those times when my dad was away in the Middle East, and we just didn't have any money. We had this house, but we didn't have any money. Um, you know, and I've got friends who went to college with etc. Who literally they they grew up broke. They grew up with no parents. They grew up in awful areas, but they've gone on to having really successful businesses. And it's because probably that that they've known that hum, humble beginning. Mm. that they've got to where they have and i think you know wherever i end up will be because i've i've had that break in my in my career where i did lose everything uh, it, it, i find it so interesting 
because there is absolutely there's, there's there's zero successful people that I've either listened to or followed or read the story about who have absolutely not gone through that situation. And mm. I think that those people who pretend that everything is okay and everything is happy and everything shining for a lot of the time it could be, it just I, I often find that. that that maybe is just some kind of stupid facade for the reason that they don't want yeah. to upset the Joneses next door who are living life. You just can't yeah. go through life. It's not you know, real, think, isn't it? It's not real. No, it's not real. I think nothing in life worth having is is ever going to be easy. I mean, um, for any you know people who uh, who who know me and follow me, I'm, I'm very very fortunate to have three children. Uh, yeah. Two two of them are. Uh, one-year-old fucking twins who for fucking six months didn't sleep a night and i tell you what it nearly broke me and my wife uh yeah, we're, yeah. Strong, we're stronger than ever but i remember at one point where we'd we'd gone i think three or four weeks where we literally didn't have a, a successful night's sleep and and yeah. i think it was it was three or four o'clock in the morning we were both sat down and you know it was dreadful and i remember yeah. staying to i'm always a very optimistic positive person i just said to my wife i said look this might be this might be really hard to take right now but there'll be people out there who will be stood outside our window looking in and thinking you're the luckiest people right now. Cause yeah, you can yeah, have, yeah. you can have kids, you can have twins, you can have it all. Yeah, so yeah. I think you've got to, you've got to put life into perspective, but I think it's very, very humbling. Yeah. Listen to what you, listen to what you've got and, 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 and where you've come from, what you've done. So you had all, you, you, you had this uh, horrendous situation clearly. Yeah. Um, what clicked, what and when did it click to, to bring it back out? Cause you've obviously yeah, got, so, you've got, so you've got the ability. This, yeah. I went through this spell where, you know, Nothing could get me out of bed. I was on antidepressants. I literally, nobody could convince me that I could come back. Nothing. Um, and eventually, I ended up living uh, in, a, in a flat in Oakwood, which had no um, no hot water. Uh, it had, no, literally, like, and this is an exaggeration. I had no hot water, the um, no central heating. It was uh, threadbare, but it was a roof. And I started slowly but surely to sort of figure out some kind of routine again. Um, I met this the girlfriend I'm with now, Liana, who who basically sort of convinced me that actually, do you know what? You are worthwhile. You are worthy, and you're you're actually not stupid. You are, you are, you know, credible and worthy of being somebody and something again. Um, and for the first time ever at thirty, just turned thirty four, I took a job. I never had a job in my life. I took a job, and um, and and again, that was humbling. But I took it with Hunters, um, and it was six, seven months of my life. And I learned a hell of a lot from working for a corporate-type environment like them. Um, and it got me back into a routine, a structure. It got me you know, up at a certain time. You know, I'd get up on a train. I'd go to, to work. I'd be in for half eight, quarter to nine. We'd do a team meeting. You know what it's like yourself, running a you know, branch, running an estate agency. Um, and just put me back. It put me back in the in the fishing bowl, in the in the goldfish bowl. You know, in terms of being at the centre, seeing everybody on a daily basis, you bump into the streets. And towards the very end of that spell, where I started to think, so, do you know what? Lettings isn't like it was when I was in Lettings. It's changed a lot, um, a hell of a lot. And and actually, do you know what? I'm confident again, and I've got a routine. I've got structure, and. Um, you got that fire in your belly again. A fire in the belly, and I thought, so. Do you know what? I'm worth, and not just financially, but I'm worth more than what I'm doing. I can offer more. Um, and in my last couple of weeks of being there, I spotted an opportunity with a building in town, and I knew a guy who I thought he'd be perfect for this. So I'd give my notice in, and I met him for a coffee, and I said, "Can I just show you something?" I showed him it. 
And the first week after um, starting up self-employed again, completed on this deal. And it just, it all sort of timed nicely for me because it was like, okay, I'm going to set up on my own again. This is, I knew, I knew it was going to complete, you know, it was, a, it was a sure thing, but it was one of those things where only I could have done that deal. And I'm not saying that because I've got a massive head that can't fit through the door, but the building that, that I'm t referring to was one where it wasn't on for sale. It's been on to let as a pub for years. Um, but it was a beautiful building and the sign had gone dirty. Nobody could even see it anymore. But through me walking past it, and I do this all the time. I walk around Leeds all the time looking up like this all the time because I'm not bothered about what's going on down here. It's what's going on up there all the time. Uh, and I just happened to know this guy and, and you know, he was very credible as well. And it was like, do you know what? Put you two together. And that's the art of it, isn't it? Being a good businessman, middleman, yeah. estate agent, whatever you want to call it. That's what it is. And that set me off again, really. So for the last, you know, we're coming up to uh, nine months now. I've been back on my own again. And, you know, and that's had its little ups and downs as well. But equally, you know, I've been able to experience doing the deals I really enjoy doing again um, with developers, with investors, with putting sites together, um, doing what I choose to do, really. And, and it goes back to what I said at the start. If you enjoy what you're doing and you're passionate about what you're doing, you're going to make money at it. So whether that's moving A to B or Z to, to F, it doesn't really matter as long as it's what you're passionate about and enjoy doing, you will get the deal done. I think it's an amazing story. And, and there's a couple of things that I, I want to I want to touch on. Um, you've mentioned a couple of things. Uh, don't, 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 don't say anything just yet, but you've mentioned inspiration, routine. And also you, you mentioned your, uh, your, your girlfriend, who, who you, 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 I mean, I follow you on social media for anybody yeah. else who does, you accredit, you accredit a lot of things to, to the sort of, you know, this angel that you've got around you. She yeah. seems like, a, she seems like a lovely person. You're clearly batting above, uh, <laughs> uh but, um, how much do you accredit to having, uh, sort of like-minded people around you, having the right people around you? I think, I think that's two, two, two ways to that. And I think it's not just um, having like-minded people around you, it's you being like-minded to them as well. So it's not just, oh, I like what they've got to offer. It's what can you offer them as well? And 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 when that happens, there's a bit of an energy, isn't it, that's created and, and you bounce off each other and you'll, you'll have it with your wife, you know, you have it with business partners, you'll have it with Chris, for instance. You know, yeah. when you've got an energy with somebody, it's unstoppable, isn't it? And you can't, yeah. it, it changes who you are. You can walk to a room with that person and it changes your whole day. Um, so, you know, in terms of being around like-minded people, you know, I've been in business with people who I thought at the start of it, yeah, I'm, me and you are going to work really well together and it's not ended well. And then we've ended up being better friends afterwards. Um, I've been in business with people where I thought there's no way it's going to work and it's worked brilliantly. Yeah. Um, you know, age doesn't matter. I don't think race matters. I don't think religion matters. It, none of that matters. It's literally about what energy you've got between you. You know, it's like it's like every time you and me talk on the phone, I get an energy off you, for instance. <laughs> like we, we are quite similar in terms of like we're excited, really. Like, yeah. okay, yeah. you know, what, what can we do? You know, and you, and you, you know, you've got to learn off everybody as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, like you know, credit Liana with certainly with helping motivate me to turn myself around again. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think having a good person by your side definitely counts. And what's good with Leanna is, well, you know, I come home to it, and she's not in property. She's in a totally different environment. We, you know, I'll talk to her a bit about property. She'll talk a bit about what she does for a living. But you break away from what you've been talking about all day, and that's good to have that break as well. It's that balance. 
have a little bit of a gap. Um, and you you talk about uh, this is what I find really fascinating, and and lots of people in business and motivational speakers talk about getting up early and having a routine, and that's how you become a successful people. And I've had people on this podcast, and just generally people that I've been speaking to and listening to, and I'm because I'm a I, I'm tough with routines. I can't particularly get up here. I like my sleep. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, was, I was listening to a, a, a guy not so long ago. I says, have you got a routine? He was like, no, um, but I, I do, I do, I do, I do believe in having a faith. Yeah, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I believe yeah. in faith and that keeps me disciplined. And then I spoke to another guy who actually re- reminds me of you a little bit. He's like, I have to have my routine for self-discipline. I get up at four, yeah. I go to the gym, and I do that. He said, it does not make me a successful business person. It makes me a successful person. If I don't have that routine, I'm off the bandwagon. And unfortunately, yeah. there are things that can happen. So tell me about your routine. A, what do you think yeah. of it? B, what is it? When I, when I've, when, on the days where I don't follow my routine, it's, um, you know, those days are hard. Straight, straight up, those days are not going to be as good as the days where I've got my routine. If I'm up early, you know, my best days where I'm up at six o'clock in the morning, I've trained, uh, I've breakfast after that, you know, I'll, I'll do a bit of meditation, have a prayer, you know, just get myself ready for the day mentally. There's certain things that I like to do by a certain time. If I do those things, I know that come middle of the afternoon, you know, you know, I'm not saying I finished that time, but it's like, I know I will have achieved everything I need to achieve. If if I start my day at 8.30, 9 o'clock and I don't get the gym in and I don't meditate and I don't have a good breakfast or whatever, I might not start till 3 o'clock. I mean, seriously, my, my, my engines are not fired up. I've got to be, you know, starting early and getting on it. And those those days where you've got that routine, if you the more and more you can keep that routine, the more and more you can, you, you know, hammer away at consistent days like that, I, th- I do believe that you will be more of a success in business and as a person. And it's again, it, it's just balance. It could go together. Yeah, totally understand that. Are you, uh, are, you are you are you teetotal at the minute? Do you drink? Do you not drink? I have a drink every now and then, but everything else is uh, is off the books. There were things in at that part, that the, the breakdown of my life that influenced that and sort of, you know, other than drinking yeah. was, was one of those things. I mean, I feel, I feel, you know, I, I, a lot of people that I've I've been speaking to, they talk about, you know, uh, we, I don't drink much. I certainly, I I know. I mean, I, I, as we're doing this podcast, I'm enjoying a lovely glass of Chablis. Don't get me wrong, I do like uh, yeah, yeah. myself, but I totally understand between the, having the balance and, and and being able to push it. I think the one thing I've got, got older is if you have a drink on a, yes, let's say your normal working routine is Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday. I know that if I get hammered on a Saturday night, that I'm not right till Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm just not right, so I can't do it. If I'm if I'm going to choose to have a drink and more than one or two socials, then it would be on a Friday, but I cannot do it. And I'm you know I'm a big believer that once you get sort of thirty, it does take three or four days to recover properly. And when you've got kids in the next Sunday, it's it's even harder. You know, it's it, it, it's so true. The uh, the way I've managed to balance it out is I look at my life in 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 sort of eras. I look at it in in stages. So you're a baby, you're a toddler, you're a young kid, uh, and then you know things sort of progress from there. So when you're at the early ages, um, you know, what, this is really embarrassing. Right in the middle of podcasting, um, I'm gonna have to text my wife because the oven is going off you can hear it can't you yeah so good yeah. people and i said to before and don't put the oven on anyway um i look at the way i've managed to to, to deal with it sort of mentally is, is deal with it, the fact that you're in era so when, when you're at the age of 21 and you're going out and, you, and you're sort of getting getting hammered all the time and you're enjoying mm. life 
I look back at that and I don't look at other people doing it and think, oh God, I wish I was out there on a Sunday afternoon and no. enjoying my, my, I look at it as I've done it and I've been there and now I'm onto the next stage and my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in my 30s and I'm trying to sort of settle down and enjoy myself. But I totally agree with you. It does, it does take a, a long time to to uh, to get over the hangover. It although does, I, am and quite... and I think there's, there's people I see who um, are on the face of it, they look really successful in business. And they also look like they managed to have this balance of lifestyle that includes partying and you know and having a really great time with booze and all the rest of it. Um, and somehow then they managed to have a picture on Instagram on Sunday with their wife <laughs> and kids. And I think to myself, I'm just not that guy. So if you yeah. can be that guy, good for you. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. like that just doesn't work for me. That 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 cannot happen. Um I think I think self I think self-awareness is important. Yeah, you've got to be aware of what you can you can handle and what you what you will be like in the aftermath and what impact that'll have on other people as well. Yeah. Okay, Jordy, tell me very uh, very briefly if you can. I um, by the way, is your is your your social your social? I just called you Jordy. By the way, I apologize. Jordy, yeah. No, it's fine. Uh, it's uh, it's actually uh, from the Wolf Wall Street days. It was uh, a lot of people used to call me Jordy. <laughs> It totally makes sense. Jordy. Um, Jordy. Uh, hey, hey, Jordan. Um, uh, your um, your sort of your social media is it is it public or is it private? It's. Do you know what? It's public now. It's public, right? Cool. So, for, any, for for anybody who who follows you as I do, you you often post. It's sort of inspirational posts. Obviously, you feel because I think when everyone, when anyone sort of posts anything like that, it's obviously because they feel something from when. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where's your where's your inspiration from right now, or in the last, let's say, nine months, six months? Where do you find your inspiration from to 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 get up and and do what you have to do? Um, the in terms of the things that you see, like the quotes and stuff, mm-hmm. more spiritual than anything, and and sort of you know that. I used to follow people like Gary, Gary Vernichuk, is it pronounced? And people yeah. like Gary V and uh, a lot of people like that. I used to really follow those. And and then it became to the point where I felt like I was seeing the same sort of quotes and content quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so rather than switch off from them as such, I started to focus a lot more on sort of stuff that just felt, sort of felt like at the stage of life I'm in, a bit like you were saying about stages of your life, that felt right to me you know in terms of human development yeah. me as a person yeah. where you know what matters to me as a person as a dad um as being you know a moral code as to you know because I've, I've been there in those places and, and you know i think when you when you do go through a recovery from some form of mental illness or, or, or addiction or anything like that there's lessons that you take away um, and part of that is is sort of this discipline and routine and structure and re- repetitiveness um because when you break away from that you know it, you know, if you're that way inclined, it can all hell can break loose for you and those around you. Mm. So yeah, spiritual recovery stuff is is really important to me. That's it's really interesting. I it's so hard for anybody to understand what anybody like that would would go through any form of addiction. Yeah, uh, to to come out of it, you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or sex. Hello, cheeky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, anybody, but you know, anything like that, it's, it's really difficult. And I think from the outside, then you can look at someone and go, "Oh God, you know, they're doing this and ruining life." But you actually just don't know, and you don't know what's going on behind no, no. The, the the makeup yeah, yeah. of the background. It's, it's well, it's well known. My my dad, you know, as as being an addict, who was on death door last year, and you know, it was amazing really because at the end of last year, he went into a um, Tony Adams Sporting Chance uh, recovery. Um, What's the word looking for? A, a rehab. rehab. And at 70 years old to go into a rehabs, you know, that takes some balls. Um, you know, and, and for him to come out of that and, you know, 
I'm not saying he's been perfect since, but he's a hell of a lot more of a man. And, and you know, he's my dad again, you know, for the first time I've ever seen him really in my adult life, because for a lot of it, he was an alcoholic. And for those that know what it's like to do with an alcoholic and an addict, it, it's difficult. It is really difficult. And when you've been through it yourself as well, uh, and to come out the other side and get yourself into recovery and work program and all the rest of it, um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot because you think, you know, for what an alcoholic might might spend the day, 90% of their day can be spent thinking about it, going and getting it, you know, drinking it, hiding it, finding another one, you know, and that'll be 90% of the day. They're then going to spend 90% of the day trying to do the exact opposite, you know, finding a way not to use, you know, to, to change themselves as a personality, to think differently. You have to be rewired, completely rewired. And, and that is a really difficult task to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you, you obviously hit a, a, a low. I mean, I've never uh, had it had it personally. To me, my, my uncle, unfortunately, my uncle passed away. He was an alcoholic, and he passed away directly from from alcohol. I, I remember we used to get the bus on, uh, and our bus used to go down the street lane. And my uncle, uh, I, I'd seen him a number of occasions actually asleep on on a bench, drunk yeah. when I was on the school bus going, and I found it incredibly embarrassing. So, um, yeah, but yeah, long story short, I mean, uh, I was I was I was um, I was hidden from from the, the the sort of truth, if it were. But it was my uncle. I didn't have a particularly close relationship with him. But yeah, because of that reason, he was he was an alcoholic and he, and he died from it. And, and um, I, I, I totally totally take my hat off, and I think anybody should take their hat off to anybody who's who's uh, sort of managed to overcome any sort of situation. Like that. And especially yeah. someone like your dad, who take this in the right way possible. But if I was yeah. seventy years old, trust me, I'll be sipping back and Papa's old cough medicine every yeah, night yeah, yeah. if I could do. And, 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 and what's the motivation to, to to find a way to stop? You know, and, yeah, and yeah, you know, it, it, it's hard. And you've got to understand, Andy, as well that you know this is it's a dependency. So when you're you're going through that, you wake up and your first thought isn't about your kids, isn't about your business, isn't about food. It's not about any of that. It's about how can I get my fix, whether that's a drink, a snort, a pill, a, a, a injection, mm. whatever your your thing is. Mm. Um, you know, fuck, whatever it is. You know that. Is, <laughs> you know, some are less harmful than others. Um, you know, yeah. I, I went I went to rehab myself back in 2017. Um, again, as part of all that process of trying to sort of, you know, recover and fix myself. And it didn't work at the time. That wasn't what fixed me. Um, but, you know, I was in Ricky Hatton's room at the Priory, you know, and I'm not proud of that particularly, but but I'll, I'm not ashamed of it. I won't share it with the world because it's part of my story. It's what makes me, you know, I've people dying of this stuff. I've been in uh, you know, twelve-step meetings with people who literally have no nose anymore. Who you know, who've, who can tell you stories of their mother and their sister and their brother all dying from heroin, and then they're still sat there saying, "I used yesterday." And you're thinking, you know, a normal person might look at that and go, "What? Really? Yeah, really? That isn't yeah. enough." But it's not. Yeah. No, it's, it's a you know it's it's a very very emotive subject and it and I think I think lots of people can probably empathise and understand where it comes from. Just a quick, just a very quick question before we move we move on past that because we're going to yeah. get to some going to get some books and apps in a minute because I always ask that question. But just out of interest, what was what was the what was the what was the family sort of dynamics? I mean, your the Yoroths. What was the family dynamics when when all this when all this happened? What what was what was their thought? What was the um, there? I mean, my the funny thing was, that it's hard for everybody, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, you know, for instance, you know, my my dad, um, 
dad found it very difficult because he just didn't understand it to him that was like so foreign because you know drugs and drugs drugs and drink are so different um and at that generation it's just like what you know what what you know I, and at that time i think it was like i don't have a problem with drinks so it's like well look at drink, <laughs> you do um <laughs> you know and then my mum who'd been through it with my dad and then to start seeing it with me and you know she was she really struggled with it you know it really hurt her yeah. Um, my sisters are both remote in that you know one's in London, one's in Las Vegas, and they, you know they they try their best of support. You know, yeah. I was getting texts off. You know, like you know, one of my sisters introduced me to Russell Brand. You know, and, and at the time it just wasn't enough. It, that that sort of intervention wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, so the family dynamic at the time was you know mostly was trying to help and support in the best way that you can. But mm. I think when you when you've not been one yourself and you know it is genetic there is a there's a huge amount of research that shows that there's a lot of a lot of goes a lot of the high chance that you become an addict if you've got an addict in your your gene brilliant pool. brilliant i'm fucked yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm joking yeah I, I, I was i was you know buggered from day one really you know but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. you know but you know i think once you've been through it um and especially when you come out the other side you you know exactly what it is and you know you can see it you know i've seen it with other members of my family and, and people around me I can, I can literally spot it the second they walk into the room that they've got a problem and that there is a there is a way out and not many people will take it or find it for years if ever I'm, i must say knowing you as a person that i do uh i i i, I find it so inspiring that you've you've you know you're talking as you are like you are i find it really motivating actually that you've been to those 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 levels because not many people my uncle being a prime example not many yeah. people can get themselves out of that that rut i'm not saying for any minute uh, that you were asleep on a park bench like my uncle was uh, but 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 not you know uh, <laughs> well yeah well, maybe you were worse uh, but you know it is, it's, it's commendable right so uh what just uh what how does the business look now i mean what 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 What's happened since the fucking I mean, COVID it, hit? It was, it was interesting when I was uh, listening to one of you guys the other day, I can't remember, it, was, it might be the party man, um, and it sort of made me think on a little bit because the way I've sort of been operating over the last nine months has been very much for myself, and it's quite, not selfish is the wrong word, but in a, from a business context, selfish. You know, I've been looking at you know what's in my pocket and what's there today. Uh, and I was listening to, I think it was the party man was talking about, you know, you, you can't sell that. You can't get to retirement and sell that. Um, and having been there and sold a business and known what that took to do, um, that sort of made me think, you know, actually need to go back to looking at a scalable business. So really, um, right now I've got these deals that I'm working through and they'll start, to, you know, the, the, I've got things that will pay me over the next few months, but that's really where I need to shift my focus onto what's gonna happen in six and 12 months and start building a business again, because um, for as much as having a nice, you know, watch in your pocket is lovely, that's actually just really stupid. Um, yeah, and um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. You know, these last few days, even listening to your podcasts and sort of listening to other entrepreneurs, thinking to myself, actually, you know, I'm all right today, but will I be okay tomorrow? And I think when you get to our age as well, you start and you have kids and you start to think about mortgages and all that. You think to yourself, Do you know what? It's not about today at all. Actually, I'm not doing this. I don't get up today for today. I'm actually getting up for tomorrow. Um, it's yeah, true. So yeah, it's true. Look how quickly things can can be taken away from you if you, uh, yeah. if, you if you're not focused on it. Okay, so apart from listening to uh, this absolutely sensational podcast, uh, what other things do you do? Do you read or do you listen to books? Yeah, that so I mean, I'm more of a um, at the moment. I'm reading the Celestine Prophecy. 
um which again goes to this sort of spiritual sort of stuff but it's it's all about if you've read it yourself or or not i don't know but it's a really good book um so that's that's what i'm on with at the moment um in terms of sort of the other side of things i love watching stuff on beat netflix amazon anything like that, that's got anything to do with business how people you know succeeded messed up you know things that you know a lot of the things that you see are obviously people who are bad examples but there's always some quite good interesting um yeah. sort of elements to how they achieved their success there's a there's uh, a good one there's a good one on netflix it's uh it's actually called i think it's called dirty money it's about donald trump yeah but actually I, I, yeah i found that really interesting because um you know the guy the guy's an exceedingly good networker and, yeah he is yeah you know and and too much of the the crooked things that people think he might get up to he's fucking done it and yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and he's not in prison so <laughs> yeah yet 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 yeah. uh, I, I tell you what one person uh i was um i was i i was reading i was reading something not uh, earlier today before you came on i thought is there anything that i can pick up on uh on jordan that he might have said in the past and in 2012 you were speaking to the Yorkshire Evening Post. They were doing a little bit of an article on you, Mr. Leeds property expert. And yeah. uh, you said, I found this, I found this, I love the fact that you quoted him earlier, but in there, he said, who's the most inspirational person outside of your family? And I think you'd said Richard Branson. And you quoted Richard Branson within 10 minutes of this podcast, <laughs> uh, which I found was absolutely perfect. To be honest you, with you, I, I think, you know, Branson's a great example um, of, of an entrepreneur and he's one that everyone always jumps to straight away. But, you know, my heroes are actually people that are not going to be famous, you know, in, in the media and whatever. These are people who I've mentioned in this interview, and your likes of your Kevin Linfoot or your um, Ian Nixon or a guy in Newcastle called Ian Baggett, who used to go out with my sister, who have done it. They are multimillionaires. They've, they've built up and sold and developed and you know, really performed in the property property world. And these are my heroes. You know, Richard Branson is somebody who you can look at as a general business lesson. Um, you Gary V's, you, you know, those sorts yeah. of people. We can all look at them online and, and take snippets, but it's that hardcore face-to-face -face experience that you get with people in life mm. that I think really teaches you the, the lessons that you take home and you take on and use in life. Yeah. I love it, mate. I totally love it. And, I, you know, look, look, like I said, Gary V, you've quoted a couple of times, he did come from adversity. He came from Russia, lived in a, a small apartment with yeah. his parents, and, and they absolutely smashed it. Just um, one thing, last subject before oh, we say our emotional farewells. Mm -hmm. uh, but one last thing I want to mention, because we haven't really touched on it, but but just in, in a very nutshell, because yeah. some people listening to this will be able to empathise you from the rocky road that you've had and the, 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 the highs and the lows and the addiction, whatever it might be. But in terms of marketing your business, you you, you've managed to turn the business from this pokey in, in your, you didn't say pokey, but in your description, pokey website, yeah, yeah. your mum had 90 properties, you grew it to 400. And then obviously you've got the business now. What, what, what's your, what's your interpretation on marketing in 2020? What's your, what, what, what's your first thought? What's your thought, thought process behind, right? I need to market this property or I'm trying to market this business and grow it. Where do I yeah, I think, I think digital is obviously the way forward. I think the days of, you know, newspapers and hard, hard copy stuff for me, it's dead weight um i've not believed it. the only the only thing that i believe in when it comes to hard copy um is editorial and pr i think that there is a, that that is worth its weight in gold um is is that stuff because if you do a press release which you know what a lot of people don't i don't think a lot of people appreciate but something that my mum taught me from a young age and she's brilliant at it is you if you write a press release as if you work for that that publication and you send it to the editors 
nine times out of ten, it will feature within 48 hours, if not 24, and especially online. And the, the reality is the person who's reading that at the other end, they believe that that was written by the paper or by the um, website or by whichever publication it was. So to give you an example, um, so September, October last year, that deal I referred to was the first deal that completed in this new business. I went to my client and I said, look, do you mind if I write this? And he went, yeah, no problem at all. Wrote it, sent it to him, said, I'm happy with this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Sent it out to Yorkshire Post, Business Desk, um, Property Week, a few others. And it was in within 24 hours, word for word. Um, the amount of people that rang me off the back of that and went, oh, you've just done that deal and da 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 And it was like, oh, yeah, where have you seen it? Oh, I've seen it in this. And they truly believed that it was written about me or about what I'd done by a third party. I'd written it. You know, but, but that I've done that time and time again throughout my career. And that is the best advertising you can possibly get because it's it's third party verification, isn't it? Um, it's, like, it's, it's credibility. It creates such an incredible yeah. amount of credibility. I mean, look, if I wasn't credible, Yorkshire Post or Property Week, of course or, not. They wouldn't publish it. But no. the fact that it is real and that I have got a bit of a name and I've built that up, it doesn't even, it literally just flies straight through. And I think if you if you build up your business doing things like that, you have to be creative. You have to be weird and wonderful. Social media is obviously you know an amazing tool, and I wish I did more of it. I, you know, I need to make more time to do it. That is big on my hit list is is to be better at, because there has been a time when social media and LinkedIn and and just sort of general digital um, content has been my forte and it, and it, it does get you ahead of the game you you know enfield's looks as a brand i love seeing the videos and the stuff that you do with them you know it's not what everybody else is doing and it's different and it puts you, it sets you aside mm. yeah i mean you'd absolutely smash it on social media wouldn't you let's be honest yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, exactly. you, 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 you were doing bits and pieces for hunters weren't you and uh you know it was obviously getting a lot of uh, a lot of interest and whatnot i think you know it, it doesn't always have to be the most amazing best quality content <sighs> No, I see half of mine, mate. You know, it could be the outtakes. But yeah. It gets likes, it gets follows, it gets people talking about you, and yeah. that will lead to referrals, it will lead to instructions, it will lead to business. Uh, 104 minutes, I've made a note of that, is, is an absolute golden nugget piece of advice you've just given, which nobody else has, and that is getting your getting your name into publications to be an expert because I genuinely, genuinely know. I know that that is an amazing piece of advice. So yeah. uh, in, in, in the uh, in the write-up to this podcast, I'm going to say you have to wait till the end because you're going to get an absolute <laughs> golden piece of nugget. Uh, but listen, I, uh, I'll, I'll, round, I'll, round, I'll round it off. I just want to say I really, really appreciate it. It's only taken us a week and a half to get this uh, agreed. And, I, and, I, and just for the, benefit, for the benefit, well, I, I, I'll take one of the three cancelled appointments. Um, we, for the benefit of anybody, uh, Jordan, Jordan and I had arranged this podcast and uh, we had to move it once, we moved it twice, and we moved it three times. We managed to get it in and we even had to move it by 45 minutes tonight. But um, it, was, it wasn't that painful, was it, Jordan? No, it was lovely. Really good. I yeah. appreciate you. No, listen, and... Uh, I, th I think you've got such an, 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 an inspiring story. I think w one of the best things that anybody can learn, and, and I've learned from this as well, is that, um, you know, just because somebody has come from something doesn't mean that defines them as a, a person or, or it defines their success. And you are, for me, the definition of that. And actually, one of my absolute favorite podcasts so far. <laughs> so I want to say thank you very much for coming Thanks, on. Uh, before you go, um, 
how can people find you and follow your journey and follow your website and your businesses and see what you're up to? Uh, VictorProperty.com, that's Victor, V-I-C-T-A, the Latin word. Um, it's the website, Jordan Yorath and Victor Property on Instagram and uh, Jordan Yorath on LinkedIn. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you ever need a reason to follow somebody and find some inspiration from it, he is the man. And you've got to watch it now because he's been there, he's done it, and uh, he's on the road to doing it again. So I'm going to be watching very closely. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, take care. All the best. Bye. Thank you for listening. And thank you very much for Jordan Yora for jumping on the podcast with me. That was um, a really good convo. I'm going to get Jordan back on in 12 months' time. I told him that I'd do it. In fact, he told me I should do it, but I'm going to take the credit uh, to see where he is in 12 months and where the business has gone because this guy, uh, this guy's going places. Well, he's already been places. In fact, he's been many places, uh, but he's been to the top of the tree and uh, he's climbing it once again. So I look forward to seeing his journey. Thanks for staying tuned and uh, listening out for the following podcasts coming your way.